Welcome to Remotely Creative, a RimCAD podcast where we talk to artists, designers, and wildcards about how they're surviving in the era of COVID-19 isolation. I'm your host, Rob Flattery, and today our guest is fine artist and RimCAD alumnus Dalton Frizzell, whose work focuses on challenging the dogmas of Christianity. Today's episode is also going to be a little unique because we're asking questions posed by our students in our Fine Arts Senior Studio course taught by Tobias Fike. Dalton, thank you so much for agreeing to be here today. I miss seeing you on campus. It's been a few years. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been it's been a few years. Seems a lot shorter than it is, but yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, your beard's all grown out, your hair, you look <laughs> kind of like a biker. Nobody can see you, but I'm fine I with it. It didn't that. look like this pre-quarantine. We'll just go with that. Yeah, how's how's quarantine life uh treating you? Uh, it's good. I think it comes like on a weekly basis, there's changes conscious and subconscious that I've been trying to make, but overall it's been pretty good. Awesome. So before we jump into student questions, um, are you working on any new projects? Uh, There's been an ongoing painting that I've been doing uh, that I started um, as part of this series and I brought it home. So that's currently what I'm attempting to finish right now so that's what i'm working on whilst at home nice so you're you're working from home now no studio studios in the house yeah we uh i think it was on may 13 uh, march 13th i don't even know what month we're in on march 13th we got uh the notification from cu boulder that uh we would have to leave our studios so it was that day that i kind of packed up everything that i could and brought it here Yep, Friday the thirteenth. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was very relevant that day. Yep, totally. So, what's inspiring you right now? You know, a lot of what has been inspiring me lately is, I guess, trying to do as much reading as I can of like materials that I got from school, and um, trying to honestly just. Uh, submerge myself into like cultural things that I enjoy. Um, like there's some, like I try to keep up with the news with the pandemic, obviously, but other news, like for instance, the day that we're recording this is like, uh, it's the 40 year anniversary of the Empire Strikes Back. And it's like, I try to like keep those kinds of sources in my life. And it's like, oh, that's really cool. Something I really enjoy. I take that and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to take now my creative energy and fuel it towards what I'm working on. So maybe in 40 years, I'll have something kind of like that, you know? Empire Strikes Back 2. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, Empire Strikes Back is awesome. That's all I'm thinking of. And I have the uh, Star Wars trilogy arcade game behind me. So I'm thinking I might play it later. Um, you talked about you know keeping up with the pandemic are are you getting a little are you finding like a place that you go like cnn or are you looking for anything particular or you just kind of just mining facebook and all those other places or so i think the this is something i should take care of uh but i have almost every news source in my like apple news sends me updates so something big happens i'll get like seven or eight notifications from different sources um so i'm like on the daily just being bombarded with the same thing over and over 
I should fix that, but it's kind of from all over just because you don't know who's going to be reporting what or how things are going to be framed. And I think that's, you know, a strange predicament that we're all in, especially when we're trying to get the most up-to-date news about what's going on. But uh, yeah, it's kind of all over the place. And uh, I guess just trying to uh, have faith in that it's accurate. Accurate. And, yeah. <laughs> as terrible as that is to say. Yeah, totally. I mean, I've got to the point where I'm just like, all right, once a day, I'll actually in the morning, I'll do my kind of review of what's going on. I try to desensitize myself to it because it's just driving me nuts. So um, is there anything bringing you peace right now? Are you doing yoga? Anything like that? Okay, so this is actually pretty timely. Um, today is the two week mark that I quit smoking cigarettes for the first time in my life after like nine years. And why I decided to do this during the quarantine, I have no idea. But um, that's kind of uh, opened the door for me from where I would spend time sitting on my balcony and having a cigarette, whatever. Now I'm taking that time to like practice breathing exercises or do quick sketches or take a 10 minute break to watch a YouTube video. So I'm trying to like uh, parcel out this time that I'm changing and giving myself now. So it's, uh, it's a weird exercise in time management that I am not used to. No, totally. I remember when I quit smoking, um, I found myself just like, all right, what am I, shouldn't I be doing something right now? Like, what do I usually <laughs> do? Oh, I'm outside smoking. So totally get it. Totally get it. Well, good for you. That's, you know, it's, it's healthy. They say I still jury's out whether or not smoking's <laughs> good for you or bad for you. I depends on, who you know, you're. I think, uh, yeah, with like the uh, mental stress of everything when this is going on, it was like, I felt myself needing it more and more, but as I've like, stopped I find myself um I don't know being more excited about things that I can fill my time with so that's become I don't know kind of keeps my mind off of you know the news and the dread drudgery really totally totally well good for you man so uh one of our students saw your work hashtag bless that was installed on campus can you tell us a little mm -hmm. bit more about that uh piece yeah um I was in the course Oh God, I couldn't even remember the year. I'm probably 2015. And uh, it's something I've been interested in for quite a long time, but now most of my work capitalizes on it is religion. And something that I had noticed as uh, I was going to Remcad and posting all these things on Instagram was I've never been a hashtag person, but hashtags were like prevalent and everything. And I was just, it's not something that I'm even still comfortable with using. It's an interesting tool, but I'm just, uh, I just thought it was more funny than serious. Um, so I would go down uh, and see people tagging things, hashtag blessed or whatnot. And whenever that would come up, you know, like the uh, original connotation of blessed or blessed uh, is this kind of older religion, uh, almost iconography that I envisioned. Um, with a golden halo, the nimbus above someone's head, it like had this very spiritual, historical, um, I guess, roots. And to see it on Instagram with like a Ferrari and people in bikinis and on the beach and like wads of cash, I was like, you know, 
I, I liked uh, the observation of how differently that term had been used. Um, so I wanted it, uh, that work specifically, which hangs on the wall and is aluminum cut letters uh, covered in 24 karat gold leaf. Um, I wanted to kind of create this selfie spot um, that had the kind of opulence that you would imagine from uh, a fresco or somewhere in the cathedral, but kind of taking the two uh, contexts uh, and pushing them together. Uh, yeah, I think that was one of the first works I did at REMCAD that I felt, you know, materially and conceptually the things made sense to me. And mm -hmm. I'm glad that that's still something that exists. It's great. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, talking about religion, it's a very controversial, controversial topic. Um, and it seems like your work is kind of moving towards that right now. Uh, again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's weird. You know, uh, I often ask myself, you know, uh, why this is the kind of area and subject matter that I'm interested in and that I want to put hours of my life into to make artwork. Um, and I think, you know, being from Colorado Springs and um, growing up with certain kinds of questions that I couldn't ask and things just didn't make sense, from that point of view, it's always kind of stuck with me um, how people perceive the world and, you know, coming up into adulthood and now being the ripe old age of 26, it's like, I wanted to start uh, investigating this huge topic um, and put my perspective on things. So it's definitely controversial, but uh, I think uh, I try to be very methodical and well-intentioned with the work. I, I don't want to uh, Andre Serrano's piss Christ kind of scenario on my right. hands. I wanted to be, uh, um, I'm not there for any shock value i think it's more interesting to have conversations around the work totally totally yeah right now faith and science seem to be locked in a uh, pandemic focused battle um what do you think about those conflicting views um you know there's kind of the old answer to that which is that they talk about different things or they answer different questions and to some extent i think that's true but um, I mean, talking in the context of the pandemic, what's really interesting is um, I just read this news story yesterday where uh, this pastor who uh, was kind of at his services bashing social distancing ended up dying of COVID-19. And it's, I think there's just, there's definitely a conflict there where it's like, you know, faith is really important for all of us to have faith in something right now it could be it could be the fact that you know a certain movie turned 40 years old there's like a nice faith and that that's an important cultural kind of artifact um but i think that there's a lot of turmoil that can be found if if certain views take precedent over other views and i think it's just a matter of filtering out and asking questions and seeing what makes the most sense uh, in certain scenarios, because, you know, this is a time to take everything very seriously and try not to get the, I guess, the any kind of burden on trying to keep any burden off your shoulder that you can, really. So when it comes to these big questions of like faith and science, I'm 
always going to lean towards what is science telling us right now. Yeah, I mean, that, for me, it's totally like science can inform uh, any other decision. I'm not a scientist. I just look for smarter people than me to tell me what's always, going on. Always, yeah. <laughs> um, so shifting gears a little bit, our students uh, also wanted to know about the your transition to grad school. Tell us about your decision to take a gap between undergrad and, and going to grad school. Yeah, so um, it was actually my final semester at REMCAD. There was a summer barbecue. I think it was after I graduated, and it was a summer barbecue, and I was talking to Toby Fike uh, out on the patio, and I remember asking him about grad school. And I know that he and a couple other REMCAD folks, including uh, recently retired Clark Rickert and uh, Matt Harris and Amber Cobb, all these people went to see you. And I remember asking Toby, uh, you know, why did you decide to go to grad school? Because my time here is up. I don't know if I should do that right now or what. Uh, and he told me he took a considerable gap of time before he did his. And post-REMCAD, uh, something that I'd been working on was a tattoo apprenticeship that became uh, full-on, I guess, occupation as a tattoo artist. And for two years, I did that and it was great, um, but there was something, uh, I, for me personally at that time, I just felt like uh, I was working with other people's ideas to make interesting work on them and I was craving making my own work again full-fledged. So I decided, you know, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna kind of follow the people that I looked up to at REMCAD and shoot for CU and now I'm here, so it's, Kind of full circle in some ways oh that's awesome um so how did you maintain the creative practice you talked about tattooing um but were you still in your own studio during that time um not necessarily the work primarily shifted uh towards tattooing just because it it was so overwhelming and i wanted to dive right in um and i tried to work on things kind of on the side, but they ended up kind of being maquettes or sketches of things that I would want to do. Um, and they all became future projects until I, you know, I kind of decided, you know, the future is not going to come for these things if I don't actively pursue that path. So uh, when the chance came up to enroll in a fall semester at CU, it was like, here's the studios, you can have an opportunity to teach and all these other things. Uh, I just had to jump on it. For sure, because if I if I didn't keep that um, if I didn't keep that mindset of I have to make this happen or put myself in the position to have a space and to have time, no one's going to do it for me. Totally, totally. So was that um, was tattooing the one way that you were supporting yourself, like paying the bills? Yeah, for quite a while, and it was great. I mean, there's so many aspects to it that I enjoy and miss and I even at REMCAD did a piece where I tattooed pigskin it was just like something these two worlds of mine colliding of fine art and tattooing and I think it was um, just being fresh out of undergrad I didn't know like how am I going to find a space oh I'll figure it out everything kind of turned into this I'll figure it out and so I just pushed myself completely into this like occupation of tattooing 
um, which it was a huge creative outlet. And I loved getting tattooed and meeting people and having these like long five hour discussions in a session, which was great. Um, but yeah, I think there was something missing for me, like the kind of, um, I don't know, I don't want to call it like a spark, but there, when you can manifest a kind of idea in sculpture, painting, what have you, in studio, in that kind of space and that mentality that you get from that, um, I was missing that for sure. Totally. So do you have any advice for any of our graduates who are kind of in flux about, you know, wanting to go to grad school, wanting to take some time off, figuring that out? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I took Toby's advice. I took a little bit of time. Um, it was two years, so it wasn't super long. I didn't jump right into graduate school. But I think uh, it's going to be on an individual basis. And it really, I think a question I would have asked myself at the time is, what do I want to be doing with that time? Because when I got out of REMCAD, how I viewed it was um, the undergraduate degree and kind of building all these tools and things and uh, getting to know all these other beautifully artistic people. It, it all felt like here's step one of a process that who knows how long it's going to take. But the step two is kind of undetermined. So if that path looks like I want to continue education um, and see what I can explore and see what other opportunities lie in an academic setting, then great. I say, you know, apply for things, see what you can get into, always apply for everything that you can. Um, but there's also folks that I know who didn't go that route and they also have practices in like their garage or a second bedroom. It all just kind of depends on what motivates you. For me, I know that um, I've always like loved school and especially since it's art school, it's like everything that I want to do. So I liked having that motivation. And then when I got to graduate school, it was like free range to do anything you want. This is your place to do it. Here's your time. Now don't slow down. Right. So I think just what are you looking for and how do you think you're going to get out of it? Totally. Um, you know, for me, when I went uh, to grad school, I went to University of South Florida, which a lot of our faculty um, went there because it's a great program. It's I think it may be you know better than CU. Whatever. I'm just gonna <laughs> just gonna say that. Um, I didn't go there. I won't argue. <laughs> yeah. No. I just. <laughs> uh, I always like to throw that in. Um, but for me, it was kind of a weird wake up call getting to grad school. And it was just like, oh, you just make work. We don't, we don't, you know, teach you any of the processes. It was just like, you just make work. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I just need to do what I'm, I'm good at and figure it out for my myself. And I think that's a big realization to a lot of students that are transferring into, you know, a MFA program. It's just like, no one's going to tell you how to do it. You're you're gonna mm -hmm. just do it and then we'll talk about why so yeah it's almost like uh like I, I know when i first got in to see you i knew that there was this kind of like large umbrella excuse me of concepts that i wanted to go through religion being one of them but i didn't have like a concrete plan so once i got there and it's a research university so there's all kinds of things in the library and faculty and staff at your disposal to like teach you different 
uh, processes like in the metal shop, you can schedule that, whatever. It was really just kind of like choose your own adventure, but you're leading the charge. So it's, it is very different. Um, but when you're deep into it, I mean, it's like exponential of what you get in undergrad because you're kind of doing it yourself in some ways, like you were saying. Yeah. Do you get to take any like classes outside of your department? You ever yeah. Um, I, it's definitely encouraged. Um, at least in the program that I'm in, uh, I took a philosophy of religion course through the philosophy department, which was uh, really challenging. Uh, I enjoyed the difference in pace though, just because it was so much reading and so much writing and um, a lot of what we you know, are supposed to do, or I, I think should be good at as artists is um, being as articulate as you can, being able to convey your ideas, in, not just in form, but also in words. Um, so as many text heavy classes as I could take, I, I'm interested in doing because I, I think it just forces you to try to understand yourself and what you're doing a lot better. Yeah, um, I ended up taking a electronic music class. Uh, oh, wow. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big uh, electronic music fan. I like making music. Um, and it was it was a little bit different than I thought it was going to be. Um, but, you know, I ended up finding like the true just I, for me, it was just kind of like a door was open to understanding a lot of what goes into, you know, music and the recording process. And I, you know, found my love for the Beach Boys Pet Sounds album. Mm. I mean, just like that in this class, I just learned so much. And then they had a really amazing studio at USF called SciComm. Um, it's in like in the, the one basement in Florida, like there's not basements in Florida <laughs> right. for the studio. Um, and, you know, I just went in there every Sunday for like four hours and just made music and made, you know, just different recordings and, and started learning a lot about uh, modular synthesis and just kind of understanding all that. And so it just really opened up uh, a lot that I'm doing now. I don't think when I was in grad school, for me, I don't necessarily think my head was was where I needed to be. Um, mm. It was just more of like, all right, I'm going to keep pumping out what I'm wanting to do. Um, I kind of made some shifts, you know, is a three year program. So I kind of made some shifts in the middle and it it was a lot of exploration and I didn't necessarily get to a point where I felt the projects were done. I mean, I've still got them mm -hmm. like all around. I'm like, eh, this is something I want to work on, you know, years from now. But now like my life is, you know, my creative work is pretty much all modular video and audio. Um, and, and that was really like the point where I kind of understood it. So you know, I, one thing for me for grad school was never throw anything away. Um, whether it's ideas or, you know, you were talking about the readings you were getting. I literally have a box sitting next to me of all the readings that were handed out, um, in, uh, grad school. And one day I plan to just scan them all in and, you know, digitize them. But for now, um, it's, it's stuff. I talk to students and, you know, they'll, be talking about certain things i'm like ah, i have this really great article on what it means to be gay in star trek i mean and that that was an article right, I right. read in a contemporary thought class and i referenced that and i made i've made copies of it for probably four or five students over the last few years but it's just something that's always stuck with me so 
Um, didn't understand it at the time, but like, you know, I've been out of school for a little bit now. Um, and you know, it's one of those things I'm like, Oh, that really did impact me. And I didn't, it, it wasn't this like grand awakening. So, you know, make sure for you or for anyone else, make sure you take everything and just absorb it while you're in grad school, be that sponge. Um, yeah. And I think that's, um, that's something that I did have a hard time with. Um, cause whenever I'm coming up with an idea for work or something just hits me, however it comes, I'll sketch it out so I can, so I don't lose it, you know? And like you were saying in grad school, don't throw anything away, especially your ideas. So I just have this wall of things that I want to do in my studio that I'm like, well, I know that's going to take X amount of money or this is going to take X amount of time that I don't have, you know, in the next year or two. Um, so put them in my back pocket, make them happen, but don't lose them. And I think that's, I think that's probably the hardest part is knowing how to, how to give yourself that teaser for the future and to keep working on something that you can do now. Yeah. You know, when I was first started in grad school, I started on a project and then I was working on it and then I just kind of abandoned it. And then that ended up coming back and that was my um, thesis project. So I started on it in the beginning and then three years later, it was my thesis project. Um, and it was all about the duality of, of, you know, man and woman and how they see themselves through pop culture. So it was like, I took um, scenes from Gone with the Wind um, and scenes from The Godfather. Because if you like, you look like what every man's favorite movie is, it's The Godfather and every woman's favorite movie is Gone with the Wind. I don't necessarily agree with that, but there was a study and all that. Oh, but it was, it was this whole project and it took three years to, to come into to fruition. So it's a crazy time, crazy time that grad school. Speaking of movies, uh, I think to go back to an earlier question, how I'm doing in quarantine, because everything's so scattered. Here's an example of something that happened last week. We had a double feature, my partner and I, we were sitting on the couch working on stuff, you know, just trying to get things done, have our hands working on something. Our back-to-back -back double feature was Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron, the 2002 animated DreamWorks movie with Matt Damon, followed by Apocalypse Now. And it was like the weirdest two back-to-back -back things. And that's together. like, yeah, why not? I mean, I was just like, okay, this is, this is the perfect double feature. This is what we should be doing in quarantine. Yeah, finding those weird parallels, you know, <laughs> how these things work together. What if Spirit is a character in Apocalypse Now? You don't know could happen i think you should watch them at the same time on two different screens and then you kind of have to go back and forth see that that's the kind of work that we need to see right now <laughs> yeah I, i'll send you a link to uh the gone with the wind and uh uh godfather video it'll oh please do it'll put you in a trance trust me um <laughs> so what what was, or we've got some more questions from the students about um, the MFA program at CU Boulder and specifically what, you know, why you decided to pursue an MFA. Are you planning to, you know, do you want to teach? Do you want to just be a professional? What, what was the thought behind that? Yeah, I think, um, so for CU specifically, a lot of folks that I looked up to at REMCAD had gone there. And when I got to see what they offered, I did uh, 
maintaining BFA at RemCAD, so I was a painter. But towards the end, I started working more with sculpture and the sculpture and post studio area at CU, uh, which I'm in now, is interesting because it's like, yes, you have this kind of sculptural basis for your practice. Um, but the post studio part uh, has really helped me try to push ideas outside of the kind of white cube. Um, I We've done a lot of reading, you know, in classes from REMCAD to CU about the white cube and et cetera, et cetera, and public art and what you can do with all those. So the kind of post-studio element, I, I feel like offered a lot more, um, a lot more room to play and a lot of different ways to think uh, and with faculty that um, has a lot of experience in that realm. So it was um, that coupled with the fact that, you know, I do, I do see myself in, a, in an educational role um I, I took a class i think two classes with clark rickert when i was at remcad and he was just the coolest dude ever and i loved his style and i loved working with uh matt harris when i was at remcad he was like very precise and toby was always fun and goofy so it was like i took these kind of different ways that i learned kind of the so, so you're telling skills. me you're telling me toby's worthless is what you're saying <laughs> no i <laughs> Yeah, he's going to hear this and give shoot me a text. That's going to be great. <laughs> um, just like all the all the different styles um, of teaching, I got to take CU with me, and I've taught sculpture for non majors to undergraduates and uh, drawing for non majors. And it was weird. I started to like kind of take things that I took uh, from Jaime's drawing class my first semester at Remcad. Uh, now I'm teaching that way because it just makes sense. It's, it's very strange and it's really exciting. Yeah, totally. Um, and that, and that's how you have to do it. You have to look at who your influences were and you take their, you just steal whatever they have oh, yeah. and then it's yours now. Cause they didn't make it up. Trust me. They didn't make it up. They had, it's the same thing. There was one good teacher in like 1402 and then everyone just adapted from that. So the syllabus that I stole from was stolen from one other person who stole it from their professor some other time ago. It's fine. <laughs> that's just how it works. So did you um, apply just to CU or did you apply to other places? I applied to other schools um, and they all have different incentives lined up of how much uh, funding they can grant you, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, CU for me was just, it was ideal for me because I'm, in Colorado, I had in-state funding through REMCAD, and then I had in-state funding through CU. And that kind of, all of that mixed with um, the other kind of benefits that they would give, I just leaned heavily towards it from the beginning. So once I got in, the other schools, uh, they were great. They would have been great schools to go to, but uh, CU just kind of ticked all my boxes. Awesome. Um so, you know, we're living through the COVID thing. How is that impacting your studies or is it? I mean, um, you know, it was, we had about a month and a half left of school and that was, you know, trying to transition everything online was, um, I'm assuming the same it was for Remcad. It was strange, whatever, but, um, you know, I think every class kind of handled it differently. And I think, there was a lot more transparency between individuals 
that I know just because it's on Zoom. And it's like, if someone's having a hard time, you know, reach out to that person um, because we do have that capability. But, you know, as far as like taking the classes and kind of dealing with all that it is strange. Um, and teaching online was strange. Um, like teaching a drawing course, like technique wise online is like tricky. So I had to like duct tape my phone to a lamp and light this little drawing pad so I could show techniques. And it's like, you just kind of have to adapt. And I think, I don't think it impacted anything negatively on the rest of the semester, other than it was hard just to not see studio mates and other grads, you know? Yeah. Um, just so you know, I'm pro document camera. So mm. you can get a little hundred dollar document camera and that will help with your drawing. You can put that up and just be over top. So if you, if we're still in this, when you come back to teaching in, in fall, $100 document camera, make the school buy it for you. So that works. <laughs> I'm down with that. Yeah. So um, what surprised you about grad school that you didn't expect? I think it would either have to be the variety of classes that I didn't think I would take. Like I didn't think when I first enrolled, I would be doing any philosophy courses and I did an independent study with that same instructor from that philosophy course, uh, which was great. And I took a metalsmithing course, which was like working in bronze and copper. And that's not ever something I thought I would be doing, but because it was a new skill and it's like, why the hell not? It, uh, a lot of doors like that just kind of opened where I, I just embraced it. And it's like, well, I can use that for this area of the work. So why not? why not? You know, I think that was the strangest thing is um, opportunities that you don't see that end up impacting you greatly later on. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you took the metalsmithing course, because that's one thing that uh, everyone who gets their MFA, they lie about when they get out into the world. Um, because there's always uh, classes, you know, that are coming up at community colleges or something, they need someone who knows how to do like aluminum casting or bronze casting. Uh, a good friend of mine, I'm not going to um, call him out because he's a, a dean at a, another college. Um, but when he first got out of grad school, um, he was just applying for every, you know, adjunct job possible. He got a call like on Friday night um, from this one school. It was like, hey, we had a class cancel or we have a, a teacher cancellation um, Monday, we need someone to teach um, bronze casting. Can you do it? He's like, oh, yeah, I totally know how to do that. And this was before the internet was as great as it is now. And so he um, went to the library and checked out every book on bronze casting, not doing it, checked out books and just read everything he could about uh, lost wax casting and then he taught a class. So you're one step ahead there. So you can find those jobs because they exist. Yeah, see, that's really reassuring because now it's, you know, YouTube University is a real thing. If you need a quick skill, someone's made a video. You don't have to go to the library. It's fine. <laughs> totally. It, you, you can just say yes to everything. Um, so you, you transitioned from, you know, your undergrad at RIMCAD you started doing tattooing before you went to grad school. Um, how did you, 
how did you make that transition? How did you get into that? I know you said you did, yeah, you did a little bit of tattooing as far as like in your artwork, but how did you actually get an apprenticeship and then start tattooing? Um, so I knew a series of people who knew uh, this tattoo artist in Colorado Springs. And uh, <laughs> I was super nervous, but it was like, show up with a portfolio at the shop uh, of your artwork and see what happens. And we looked through his tattooing portfolio and we looked through my drawings and he was like, all right, when can you start? So from there, I just got this apprenticeship and we worked all these things out about how the timeline would work. and. Um, here's all the tasks you're going to do throughout the day. And it started over a summer, over a summer while I was still at REMCAD because I was going to REMCAD in Denver, but living down in Colorado Springs. So I would commute to REMCAD for school. But in that summer, I just stayed home and worked in this tattoo shop. And then that extended into my studies at REMCAD. So it was um, traveling back and forth, doing school full time, and then tattoo apprenticing in the evenings. And it was now that I look back at it, it was insane, um, but it was super rewarding. I guess I'm always looking out for like a different skill, whether it be tattooing or metalsmithing or painting or casting, whatever. Um, yeah, it over one summer kind of took over and then I just did it for years and it was, it was an interesting time. Nice. Well, that's what you're supposed to do in school. You're supposed to just drive yourself nuts, not sleep, just do everything. And then you get to be old like me and want to go to bed at 8.30. So <laughs> you've got that to look forward to. Um, students are always curious about how to make money and keep up with an art practice right out of college. Do you think tattooing is a good way to do that? I think it is. Um, there's so many ways to go about it. I mean, I've known other folks, uh, let's say, who didn't go into tattooing, but um, they had such a passion for illustration uh, that they would, like, set up their own Etsy page and sell prints or they would go on sites like Redbubble, whatever, and like try to just get their work out there. Um, honestly, I feel like I lucked out because tattooing is something so fun and artistically driven that I didn't have to work like a, I don't know, like a, a job as a waiter or a host somewhere, you know, it was kind of like, uh, I was lucky in that I got to keep doing artistically driven things. Um, but as far as other ways, I guess I'm the wrong person to ask. So I'm just going to tell everyone to start tattooing. Don't do it at home. Go about it the right way. Get an apprenticeship. But, you know, keep it artistically inclined if you can. Or you can go to prison and learn how to tattoo there. Those are your two choices, right? I mean, just as good. Just as good. <laughs> awesome. So, Dalton, where are you headed to next? What's What's on the horizon for you? Man. I'm not sure. It, it, at this very moment, I don't have a good enough answer. Um, the best answer I can give you would be ideally make some more work, find a nice place to work in uh, some sort of university somewhere in the art department and continue, hopefully continue to make uh, my knowledge and understanding of how to create work and give that to other people so that maybe they'll be in the position that I was at RIMCAD. That would be nice. Totally. That's awesome. Well, you know, I wish you the best of luck. Um, do you have a website? You want to shout out your website, Instagram, all that stuff? Yeah. So on my website is 
www.williamdaltonfrizzell.com. That's two Z's and two L's in Frizzell. And my Instagram is at Dalton Frizzell. So that's where you can find some work. And I've been updating it. It's not the prettiest right now. It's in construction. So, you know, now I'm going to have to update it tomorrow. I really hope that you have like one of those little like 1997 under construction gif of the guy, you know, throwing the, uh, the, the shovel around. And if you don't, that's what you need to put on. That's what I'm doing tomorrow. I know it. Nice. Nice. Well, Dalton, it's always good to talk to you. I appreciate your time here. I hope, uh, quarantine gets over soon and everybody stays healthy, including yourself and your partner. But, uh, I really do appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's it's been good. It's been nice to see all these Remcat folks and have someone reach out. So anytime, I'm I'm happy to do it. Awesome. Well, um, next time you're around and the campus is open, come on by. Will do. Awesome. Thanks, Dalton. Thanks, Rob. Thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode. Remember, you can find links and images from today's guest on our website, remcad.edu forward slash remotely creative. And don't forget to submit your questions for us by emailing remotely creative at remcad.edu. That's R-M-C-A-D dot E-D-U. Make sure to subscribe to Remotely Creative wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Special thanks to our team here, Gretchen Marie Schaefer, Chris Daly, Mel Kern, Josh Smith, and Madeline Austin for making today's episode possible. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other.